Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. McIntyre ruled! It's like Ryback, but cooler. <laughs> well, I am Luke Aaron, D-A-D. This is the Professor of the Truth. Your jam that champion, Dan Layton, the star of Monday Night Raw, oh, it might be said. Basically the face of the show at this point. Yeah. You were it's getting silly, guys. You were on Collision at the weekend. <laughs> I was on SmackDown and Raw last week. They played it again. Because they just can't get enough. They're just like, we get, our viewership for Raw is going through the roof at the mm. moment. It must be that Kip Sabian lad that's on the WrestleTalk <laughs> video. I'll take it. I'll happily take it. And welcome to the WrestleTalk podcast review of Monday Night Raw. Please do press the subscribe button. Give us a little thumbs up as well. Leave your comment down below with what you thought of this episode of Monday Night Raw. If you're watching live, join the conversation with our wonderful crew. And if you would like your raw, uh, your comments read out on the air, it is WrestleTalk.com forward slash support. We'll read out all of them above the five US dollar amounts mm. yes, so we've got- yes we will <laughs> you looked at me like i was about to contribute and i was like Ugh. well oftentimes you have got like you know whimsical oh. additions you like to, to to make to this show i do like to make whims that's fair i do like to make whimsical additions because you know this podcast was featured on a lot of people's spotify uh yeah it was wrapped it's, it's wrapped, isn't wrapped it? yeah, yeah. I, I why sometimes do you, it's called spotify unwrapped no and so i've got to try and remember if well, it's, it's wrapped or it's unwrapped. wrapped because it's your year Wrapped up in a nice bow. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I wasn't because sure the year's was... about. Honestly, the year's about to wrap. Like, I wasn't sure if it was like Spotify unwrapped, as in like, aha, now I've opened up all of the goodies for you to to foresee. It's well, it's also the fact that the year has come to a wrap. You know, like, like I, I the, the film totally, is wrapped. I totally get it. I just wasn't sure in my head which. No, one it, it was. isn't that one. You you must understand. Yeah, I don't know if you right got so it because it's, it's, it's wrapped. Right? Well, I mean, you only just got your head around yeet, and that's been taken away from <laughs> us. So. And I'll be honest, I had not got my head. <laughs> but we had featured on a lot of people's Spotify yeah, yeah. wrapped this year. And, you know, Triple H is, in fact, probably by the sounds of <laughs> People post about it a lot on the old Twitter machine and on Instagrams and stuff. And one of the common comments we had about that was like, I just enjoy you two just chatting nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> just bobbins. Exactly. Like, this is how we add up on people's minutes in Spotify wrapped. We, like, we 
add runtime to this show. How many times does Pete tell me to, to to be succinct? This is how we get into people's number ones. Yeah. It's like, you know. you know, hey guys, can you keep this to an hour? Well, I mean, do you want to be off five on five less people's Spotify rap at the end of the year? Come for the piercing wrestling analysis. Stay for the waffle about MasterChef. And this is what I was looking for, everyone, when I said five US dollars and I looked to Dan to fill for time. There you go. I'll always pull it back. Well, we've got quite a bit to dive into in the opening parts uh, of this discussion because Drew McIntyre uh, had the Judgment Day role for the past six mm-hmm. months in which he opened and he closed the show. Uh, he got to do the opening promo spiel where he came out and effectively talked about punk and because like and that's kind of randy in a little way in all of this where it was like hey so it turns out you can leave this company go and work other places then just come back and everyone forgives you Mm. and it's just funny because that's also the drew mcintyre story yeah (laughs) Uh, but he was talking about punk this was a show we talked about this on collision yesterday that had two thousand extra tickets sold Mm -hmm. around about two thousand extra tickets sold in the past seven days off the back of CM Punk's WWE return confirmed. Yeah. And they were uh, bought tickets for an episode of Raw that Punk was not advertised for, but thought he would be there, and he was not there. However, they were quite clear to let everyone know that is who they bought tickets for, because there was a CM Punk chant. And there were CM Punk chants during the main event as well. And yet, this is what I find interesting, because the CM Punk chants feel completely different to me now. CM Punk chants used to be... Uh, the I equivalent of I reject this this is boring you're giving us crap and now they are a little bit of extra spice added onto what's going on what they are now is I want to see this guy where well, is he but not only I want to see this guy because if they were I want to see this guy where is he they'd be there through the whole show they're there very specifically the CM Punk chant happened in this because Drew McIntyre made a direct reference him. and they came again in the main event because Seth Rollins is the guy they're gonna set. Is the guy they're setting up? I, 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 I think it was not I, a boring chant. I think you could make an argument for that. I think the other argument to be made is that people wanted to see CM Punk realize that think, was the, the final match of the show. I but think, I think more no. likely it's because it's Seth in the ring. I think. I think if you make the argument that it was because they realized they weren't going to see CM Punk, that is a. Uh, I don't, I don't actually know what a straw man argument is. I think it's a weak argument. Oh, and, yeah, which is why I said that. I'm not, I said more likely. No, I think it was. Punk. I think, uh, but sorry, I, Seth a, Rollins. That's the thing. There was a positive element to it for me, which is really interesting. I found well, it really the, like. Yeah, I was going to save this for the main event chat, but the reason why I, I, I think the, the chants were more likely for Seth um, is because they were only there at the start of the match and they were not there by the end. And it wasn't even the start. It was, it was about, it was a few minutes in when Seth was having a heat moment. And it yeah. was, so it was directly at him. So in fact, it was a chant. F- for Seth's story, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come back yeah. to that because I think there's there's a bigger discussion to have about Seth, which was going to be my my B option for what we we're going to talk about here. But I wanted to focus on Drew because I just thought Drew was fantastic well, in this show. Can I can I lead on to Drew via your punk thing? Because you okay. talked about the two thousand extra seats sold. If you were one of the people who bought extra seats on the off chance you might get to see CM Punk, what you were delivered was a brilliant show because there was some really effective character work in here. There was some really interesting. Um, dynamic shifts and there was some banging wrestling in there as well and it all kicked off with what i thought was a brilliant little promo from drew mcintyre 
and Sami Zayn into a great match. This is what we talked about yesterday on Collision, is the idea that, yeah, you've sold 2,000 extra tickets because people thought they were going to get CM Punk, but they're not going to get CM Punk. So what you need to give them instead is, as opposed to those 2,000 people being like, well, the next time they come into town, I'm not going. Mm. What you want to do is actually give a really good show that those people be like, well, I didn't get my CM Punk, but what I did get yeah. was a really good night of wrestling. So I will go back. It's converting those people who might not have bought a ticket mm. in the you know without CM Punk to then buy a ticket even if CM Punk's not there. And we had this conversation on Twitter yesterday about, you know, well, so there's going to be no Punk then. And it's like, well, hang on, if you look at the stacked card, and there were a couple on there where I was like excited for it, but with a little asterisk, we'll talk about that as the show goes on. But like, I looked at that card and I'm like, this is a great show. You're going to have a good time, surely. And there were a few people who replied... One of them was very interesting. They used their phrase, um, I'm not a WWE fan at all, but I tuned in because I wanted to see the punk thing. I was curious. And that makes me realize I'm never really going to watch it again kind of thing. And I was like, well, yeah, last week's episode was bad. It was not, it, well, no, bad is unfair. Last week's episode was not the one that capitalizes on a lot of eyes being on your product. What it showed to me instead was a company who are sticking to their plan, uh, which I thought was positive in a bunch mm-hmm. of different ways. Um and also, you're never going to convince someone who leads with, I'm not a WWE fan at all. They've already decided. Yeah. Whereas, like, this is the kind of thing where if you want to hit the ground running, sending out someone like Drew McIntyre, and what they did, I thought, in a, in a number of different ways, including commentary, was play on the real-life elements around stuff, the contract that we may or may not know. Your average person doesn't know the status of contracts, but, you know, the people like us who are perennially online, we all know. We've seen Drew's tweet about the Royal Rumble. Wade references it on comedy, on commentary, the poster, but he's not on the poster. Um, and it was quite compelling to see him sort of like lean into that character. He's purposely left off that poster yeah. because that's part of the character that he has, which mm. is I am not being treated with the respect that I should be given. Mm. And no one else sees it. It's kind of almost in a way a very CM Punk like the whole world is against me, but I'm the only one who's noticing mm. it. Mm. Um, so I, I yeah, but I, I thought Drew was was exceptional in the show. The the, the idea of um, sorry, because I just wanted to quickly go back to that idea. Of you want to give them something really really good. Uh, last week is a very good example to look at this. When Triple H first took over Creative, there was a lot of anticipation for his first show, the very first show after he'd been announced. He's the head of Creative now, but it was a show that had already been written. It was a show that was already in place. It was a Vince McMahon show. But that Raw was going to have more eyes on it because it's the first the first Raw without Vince, but it's still a Vince show. And I remember when I did my edited review of that, I was like, look, this was not a good show and it's going to get more viewers. My hope is that the, a large portion of those viewers will give it another chance next week because that'll be, a, that'll be the actual Triple H first episode of Creative. And that's the one that we need to use as the measuring stick. And that's kind of the same thing here. We had a really good number last week. The hope would be, yeah, not a great show, but enough people would give it a chance. Like, well, okay, well, I'll tune in next week just to see what the follow-up is. Yeah. Now, if all of your interest is in punk, this is not going to be a great follow-up show because what you got was the same video package you saw last week. But if you tuned in hoping to see punk and what you got was a lot of other great stuff, then you'd be like, okay, I don't just need CM Punk this on the is, show. I can get more out of this. This is why my positive last week was on how they just didn't rip up the the plans to shoehorn punk in in a in a a way that felt you know 
just cheap. The, the, there's something, yeah. There's an, there's an organicness to the, where they're going to figure out where to put punk, and they're working out and they're dropping it in slowly, and they're like, you know, making mentions. His presence was there, even if he physically wasn't there. But they're still committing to what they had planned. That for me was a big positive from last week, and it be- probably because it feels light years away from Raw After Mania, or yeah, or even like that the Thunderdome era where where plans were changing on the fly, and like you know, it's there's a, there's a consistency to this. Um, and this Drew McIntyre turn, which was so effective, has been seeded for so long. You know, and I call it a turn, like it was a thing that happened this week or the week before or whatever. It's been happening for months at this point. Yeah, we just had the the fight. I think we sort of officially said it happened when he hit uh, hit, hit, Jay, hit Jay with the Claymore and yeah. then shook hands with Rhea Ripley. Like that was the night that he was. I am now categorized within the heel mm. column. If this was WWE 2K23, yeah, my GM, my role has changed. I would have an unhappy face. Yeah. Um. And I, my text is now red. I'm a baddie. But he called out Sami Zayn in this and said that Sami deserved to be screwed by the the bloodline. And it was at this moment here that I came to a realization. He's stolen your gimmick. Mm. His whole gimmick is now. That's the truth. Hmm. And I, was like, saying it. and I was like, all right, A, that's his new catchphrase, but B, more importantly, that's Dan Layton's catchphrase. He said it three or four times on the show. Yeah, because that's his new thing now. Mm. This is the, and that's official. But yeah, the, the, tr- the, the truth hurts. Yeah. Um, watching 2000's Raw, the, it was the hold the phrase quite frankly had over Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Vince McMahon in particular, but also The Rock says it in a promo of the Royal Rumble. They all say quite frankly all the time. There are these buzz phrases that they've got going on, and it's really interesting to have Punk arrive in the company uh, with his whole tell me what I'm telling lies thing and also have Drew being like the truth will set you free it is that internal truth mm-hmm. is the the important part of this all the, what do you believe you know yeah Sammy cut his usual promo mm-hmm. hey I I, up. I I you know I this and the other and I scratched and I clawed and I main evented Wrestlemania I feel like mm-hmm. he has said that every week since he wrestled a main evented Wrestlemania but his key to this was but I'm making my family proud are you making your family proud? And that led into Drew versus Sammy, which is a really good match built around a very simple prospect, which is that Sammy was doing his usual little elbow off the top rope um, to a standing opponent, and he tweaked his knee mm-hmm. in the landing. And he then continued to sell that throughout the match. The longer the match went, the worse the injury got. Mm-hmm. He was barely able to stand at one point. The referee was checking on him and sort of pushing Drew away. Uh, Drew, because he is a baddie now, took advantage of this he was remorseless they were putting a a cold putting over he showed no compassion because he went for the chop block behind seth's uh, behind sammy's back hit the claymore got the win Hmm. and it really was just a like raise my arm i was the better competitor here i didn't get a knee injury i'm better than sammy zane is Hmm. and later on backstage he beat up sammy zane being like you and i are not alike i'm not the same as you and absolutely battered into pieces and wrote sammy off for the rest of the show thought the match itself was really, really good. I thought Sammy's selling of the knee was excellent. And I just thought this was awesome presentation of Drew McIntyre. It was brilliant. It was absolutely uh, captivating. I leant forward. It was one of my matches that I was really looking forward to. And then it absolutely delivered in so many different ways, including, but not limited to, a slight adjustment in style for Drew McIntyre. He's always been, you know, your big guy. He's always been powerful. He's always been strong. There was something vicious about his strength. There was something, the deadlifts he was doing. A lot yeah. of, like, a deadlift powerbomb he did at one point. Uh, the, the, the 
the spot that a few people have tried recently and it hasn't worked, but the plancher over the top catch you and then do something. I like I know um like Ivar and, and Bronson really tried it. I think Piper Niven tried it. A few people have tried it and it hasn't worked. So seeing it work was really cool. And then the way he just launches Sammy over the table was just like, God, you're really being quite aggressive here. And I loved that style from him. So then when you do get into the the close and he's just seeing an opportunity to really take advantage and get the win and I don't care. I'm not going to be honorable. No one's been honorable to me. And then right down to the ref resentfully counting the three like being like because mm. he was telling him off but i mean it's all fair sammy says he's keeping yeah. going this is this is oh, he's a final count for you it was really really effective and then to to uh, do the beat down god those punches sounded hard on sammy i know it was the way that they were they were doing it and the microphone is right there but him punching him in the face screaming we're not the same holding onto his beard i could feel it i'm sure you could too and then doubling down on that injury it just made him look like a monster. Yeah. A monster. And I love that kind of Drew McIntyre. The Glasgow kiss came out of nowhere at one point. I, I, there were some people I did see online that, that said like, oh man, what, we could have had this Drew for years and you've like denied it from us. Like, well, no, the reason why this Drew works so well now is because we haven't had it for years because we what we've had is blue-eyed baby face Drew for years. Yeah. Which now makes this Drew all the more impactful and all the more personal. But also don't discount drew and the work he's done in that regard and, or maybe do because that's part of the fun of the character at this point but he had for me my match of the year drew mcintyre was in my match of the year yeah like let's not pretend that just because he was a baby face doing the promos that the in-ring work I, wasn't I, good enough no I, I agree with that i think people's point is more and i do sort of agree with this and again it's nothing against uh, drew it is the it's the booking of drew he was like the guy in 2020. Like yeah. During the pandemic, he was the guy. Yeah. But he has not felt that way since 2020. That's fair. That's like, a fair assessment. He had a good, you know, 2021 with uh, Clash of the Castle. Uh, was 2022, rather. He had a very good Clash of the Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a very short stretch of time. And then he was just not really there for the rest of the year. It's not really been there for this year until he started doing this slow burn for, for the heel turn. So I guess that's where the argument comes from of like, Hey, so he's been okay. The in-ring work has been there, but it's not been the Drew McIntyre we had in 2020. The guy who I, I actually believe won our Wrestler of the Year 2020. Mm. I think there's a recency bias as well, though, where it's like, because this work is so good, it puts all the other... I actually think that all of his work this year has been good. The stuff with Sheamus leading into the um the wrestlemania match the you know he was in he was in war games last year so he was up there like he had a whole but be, yeah but like no one no one remembers that he was there like in, 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 in terms just of did. like no because the story of that match was the bloodline yeah like, sure the, the, but like, you know rich holland was not a star of that match but he was in that match sure but there's still i i think it's my my point is he's still done good work and it's oh, that thing yeah, of this that's... this character is really good and it's different and it's exciting but it's also let's not act like he wasn't good no i don't but no one's saying that he wasn't good it's just people are saying he's been a bit boring and again that's nothing against him Mm. it's against it's the booking of him but this is now like a new and exciting direction for him and i was like well the reason why it feels new and exciting is because he's been a bit boring for the last Mm. year but that's but that's actually part of it he has felt that he has been boring and now he is starting to fire up Mm. and granted really you could make the argument he's only really getting this pushed out because his contract is going to be coming up and they're looking to get him to re-sign when they start negotiations. That's what they did with Cesaro. But it's a g- I'm glad that we're seeing it on TV. I couldn't care less about that stuff. I, I have got a little I bit over... I have to, Dan. It's my job. No, I know. <laughs> I, 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 
agree with you. I just feel like over the past couple of weeks, I've sort of realized that it's like, if if that's why they're pushing him, let him. Like, because I'm yeah. I'm enjoying the product as a result. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's that's why I said it's a good thing. Yeah, like, and it's great. And I, 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 the whole reason I wanted to make this whole episode about Drew is because Drew was my favorite thing I on think... the show, and not even like he was my favorite thing on the show. He was far and away my yeah. favorite thing on this show i was so much more into drew than i was seth than i was jay mm. than i was punk i was like drew was the only person on the end of the show i was like ah damn i want to see what he does next week mm. that's the thing i'm actually tuning in next week to see is what is next for the drew. only one yeah i want to see what's next for drew mcintyre you don't want to see what's next for any of the others um uh he was. I mean, like, I agree with you. Top of my list. I'm scroll like, down because it's it's not really the Judgment Day. Uh, I do like the Creeds though. Creeds, Jay, Seth. I, I, this is what I mean. For, so for me, this was a really like double thumbs up earnest episode of Raw. I thought everyone had some really great stuff to do. There was there was matches in there that I didn't really love, but I I think there was a lot of positive stuff in this show. And in the past, it's been the situation where like, um, you've really got you one topic or we say what are we going to talk about there was a lot of mid i mean last week was kind of mid except for we had a lot to talk about because there was a big return i think that's when i when i say i kind of don't care about the like contract stuff it's not necessarily what i mean i do enjoy the intricacy of it and like going into the the weeds and the details and things like that but when we have people talking about do you think punk is going to be in the main event because he's got a clause in his contract there's a a negative aspect to that kind of contract speculation where i'm like possibly but also i don't know and why are we playing investigative journalists like, uh, but a on lot Twitter. of a lot of that is just pure speculation stuff though that is someone right. who said like i wonder if and then a lot of people have run with it as opposed to someone has reported like, a reputable source has reported that there's this clause in this contract i guess like, that's my point though yeah, is that when, like, that's, when that's just pure speculation and that's that's nonsense but when we have but that's it's the same like the idea of like okay maybe they're giving drew mcintyre a push because his contract is up next year well maybe and maybe he won't sign but i i it would one of the things i did think about was if he doesn't sign it feels like again a different industry in a different scenario where they're not just going to bury him because he's on the way out because look at what happened with edge you know he got a big send off it was quite nice like i think there's a with marks huh they did it with marks as well yeah oh yeah the big sign of because they thought he was going to resign yeah were, yeah i mean that but again that feels like a different company <laughs> probably also thought that copeland was going to resign as well well yeah i mean it feels like a different company to me though is the thing is, is my point now like there was the the, the talent exchange between cargill I mean, copeland's and, the same company i mean this company now versus marks yes that's what i'm saying yeah but like it's you know I'd, but the only reason i brought up the the, the contract thing is because i've you know i've been watching wwe long enough now and i've been doing this game long enough now to to see a pattern and, yeah. you, and the pattern is if your contract is coming up you tend to get a big push with some big main event stuff because the, the idea is like hey you want to resign but i'm not saying that's a bad thing mm. because it means i get really good television out of it so that's like, the ultimate where i come yeah. down on it it's like yeah. i don't i don't when i'm enjoying something really earnestly as a as a fan of something and then it's peppered with a sort of cynicism of your discourse on your Twitters or whatever, mm. being like, oh, it's only because they want to have him resign. I'm like, oh, so? I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a very good thing. But as, like, I still, I stand by, I thought he was far and away the best thing yeah. on the show. And he is the thing that I'm most interested in. But I think that is partly because I'm just, I'm not into Seth as champion and haven't been for some time. Mm. And actually, when I look at this, this main events here of Seth versus Jay, the crowd were also in that mode as well because this was a crowd that wanted to see Jey Uso win. Mm. This crowd were firmly behind Jey Uso winning to the point where, and it was not overwhelming, there was a smattering of boos when Seth did win because what the crowd really wanted to see was JB crowd. Mm. That's not the crowd are turning on Seth, 
Seth not going to turn heel. The crowd aren't going to be turning on heel. It's just going to turning heel on Seth and it's not going to drive Seth into a... It's not going to... 2019 is not going to happen is what I'm saying, which is that Seth sucks at the baby face and the crowd realize that and then they have to turn him heel as a, as a result. I don't think that's going to happen. Mm. But I do think it is telling that uh, the, the main takeaway from Seth's title reign I've seen thus far is a lot of people being like, oh, well, I'm, look I'm actually looking forward to seeing who takes it off of him. Yeah. And the thing that people are looking forward to is it's Seth versus Punk. And when I talk about things I'm excited for next week, the Seth Punk stuff I'm interested in, but it's less Seth. It's more, I want to see if they're going to do corporate punk, mm. which is what I would do if I was given the creative book. I would do corporate man punk because I think that's so much more interesting than doing happy to be here, I'm home punk. But turning that into this heel character of this, this guy who is painting everyone for a fool but Seth's the only guy that mm. sees it. I think that's, re that's very interesting for Seth as well. Mm. well, we'll say, I'll save that my takes on those because I, I found them really interesting when we get to the end part of the show. Well, I thought um, we might as well talk about that main event now because, okay. like, because like, you know, I mean, Drew, 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 at the end, Drew made yeah. his presence known, which I thought we'll, we'll cover the main event. So you, have your piece okay. on the main event. I just thought it was brilliant. Like, I thought the main event was so interesting from, it's, it's not related to Drew at all, which is why I think when you said that you were only really interested in Drew going forward, like out of the whole show, I was like, oh, this for me was a really brilliant setup of Jey Uso to a new level because they had the whole show. We had a little video package for him. Uh, he was in two or three backstage segments, kind of like feeling his oats, being like, I'm ready for go. Here's my main event, Jerry. I'm going to prove my main event kind of thing. Has his moment with Pierce, interrupt Seth's moment with Pierce kind of thing. And then you get to the main event and it is a match that I didn't for one second believe Jey Uso was going to win. Um, I, I agree with you about the idea of like, you know, Seth, Seth's run has been underwhelming. Um, I think of the matches with Finn Balor and Shinsuke, both I would say underdelivered. I thought the um, last man standing was very good. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, but I think that the the result made me feel like, oh, like what next kind of thing in a different way of being like, wow, that's really set Seth's championship up do you know what i'm yeah I it was, mean it was much better than the payback match oh, which, was, oh which, yeah. which was a very boring match. yeah um but it was it has been that thing of your, your programs and, and actually the one that did really land for me was drew at uh, crown jewel i really enjoyed that match and that was as much a part of the drew story as anything else um here i still didn't believe jay was going to win I didn't believe he was going to win at SummerSlam. I think maybe if you'd, if you'd had it just be for the tribal chiefdom and the title mm -hmm. was nowhere near them anymore because it had gone up WrestleMania or whatever, then maybe I would have believed Jay would have won there because they did a good job of setting up that he got a win over him at Money in the Bank. But main event Jay Uso has felt like a title and an energy rather than a reality and a world title scene. Well, as has been pointed out by my multiple places, he's not won a singles match. Really? Since becoming main event Jey Uso oh, like, okay. since sort of like SummerSlam and stuff. Like he is and, and during the Cody run, mm. he took the pinfalls. Right. Because you, you can't pin Cody. Yeah. So this sort of main event moniker has very much just been like it's more of a vibe mm. than it is a matter of fact. Because he's just felt like well, I mean, the, we've, the joke we've had around the office is mid-card Jey Uso. Right. But, but, and yet, what a vibe, though, because you have the, I think of the shot of him on top of the cage at Survivor Series with everyone. Because the crowd's super into me, super over. It's a vibe. There were so many yeet signs in the audience that are going to have to be blurred out this week. <laughs> um, but when you then get to the, at the actual match itself, the way it was plotted, I thought was really effective because it gave me, you know, I don't think he's going to win this match, but I'm still excited to watch the wrestling, a reason to start going... Oh, oh, actually, you, you might do something here. I kept leaning forward in the match, and the near falls 
did get me. And then that final near fall, and this is what I've got a really, I've got an analogy I'm so chuffed with. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to lean into it in a second. But that final near fall where there was this spear super kick combo, I genuinely went, well, Seth's not kicking out of that. Except he did. And then there was a moment where Jay sort of leans back against the rope and he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And the kind of trope of like, oh my God, I've hit you with my signature move that everyone kicks out of and it didn't put you away. I don't know what I'm going to do with that is a bit well-worn. But that was his finish. What David Bixenspan would call NXT face. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's a well-worn trope now. But that was his finish combo and it didn't put Seth away. And there was something that Michael Cole said on commentary. I think I wrote it down. I can't remember what the actual phrase was, but... um, yeah, he said Jay's understanding what Seth Rollins is made of. And that twigs something in my head. You know when you're playing Mario Kart mm-hmm. and you're really good at 150cc and you've nailed the tracks and you know where to drift and you know what lines to take, you know all the shortcuts and then you go up, you're like, I've got this. You go up to 200cc and you're still quite good at Mario Kart, but it's that extra little bit quicker and you come second or third and you're like, oh, I need to work this out again because I'm now operating at a new level. That was Jay Uso's experience in this match. He's not done this before. He's not... He's not had a singles title. He's not really had a singles run. He's been a dominant and an incredible tag team champion. This was him arriving in the solo main event scene and having an experience where he realizes, ah, if I want to be world champion, I need to step it up a little bit. And I thought that was a really effective and really interesting little way to close that match out. Um, I mean, two points I would make is, number one, I don't understand your America analogy because I only ever play at 200cc. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why anyone... Well, well, I don't know why anyone wouldn't play. They only introduced 200cc like a little bit ago. Yeah, all right. So when you first step up... Yeah, yeah, just going at whatever the fastest one is. Like, I don't don't know why anyone would do anything other than... Well, if you're a new player... Yeah, you go at the fastest one. So what you're saying is get good. Well, what I'm going to say is, because I was about to say that my counter to that is that I have not played a Mario Kart game since Mario Kart Wii. Right. And funny enough, because I said that to Tempest in the office, and he was like, well, Mario Kart 8 only the one after that. And I was like, yes, I know, but it came out 15 years ago, and, yeah. I, haven't, and I haven't played that one. So uh, like, Pete played- really liked my analogy, so I hope some of you did as well. <laughs> um but the other point as well is that, and I thought this this is certainly, it's credit to WWE because this is like the, the, the power that WWE has in its video editing and in its storytelling is that the storytelling they did of Jey Uso was so great on this episode in terms of, I have scratched and clawed my way to get this chance at a single championship. I'd forgotten he had a chance at a single world title four months ago. Yeah. And that is an absolute credit to WWE because during that match, I wasn't thinking, well, I just had one of mm. these. Why am I supposed to be excited about this one? The consolation prize, no less, when I saw him lose at the world title for the other one, the actual world title in this company. But I didn't think of that because I actually thought the presentation of it was was really, really great. It was only afterwards when I saw someone say online, I was like, oh, yeah, mm. he did just lose for a world title match. But that's that's the power of WWE. And I think the very the, the, the way they are very good at spinning stories in shows and like the video package they had at the start of this show, I thought was fantastic, as well as the uh, the, the segments you saw there. I don't think I picked up as much in Jay uh, coming out of the match as you did. Um, but that's mostly because like I also didn't think he was going to win, but I thought that second therefore was fantastic. And I thought the match was great. Here's like, here's my only criticism I have against the match, and it actually ties back into the opening match we talked about. Sammy's selling of the leg and the knee was so good. Actually, was actively annoying me that Seth was not selling the back, mm. and his whole deal is I have a bad back, and the. F- 
never sells the fact he has a bad back. I'm sorry for swearing, but he never does. Well, clearly it's fine now because there's no tape on But they were saying in the commentary, <laughs> he's got a bad back. I'm like, well, what is it? Pick a lane. Does he have a bad back? Is it fine? What is it? Yeah. He just never sells the back. And yeah. Sammy did such a good job of selling the knee. Mm. It annoys me how little Seth sells that he has a bad back. Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing, just to finish on, on the idea of like... Um, I got more from it than you did, or I, or I read more from it than you did. Uh, when when people, in my experience of being fully on this show for the past, you know, eight months or whatever, is that if you don't enjoy something, people will tell you to shut up and just enjoy wrestling. And if you earnestly enjoy something, they'll tell you you're bending over backwards and doing <laughs> yoga and Pilates to try and make something work. I earnestly enjoyed this. If you think that's bending over backwards fine because i got well no but this is but this is it for me it's the way i I enjoy wrestling i read it like i read a movie or a book or whatever this is it was it was they were telling a little story and i bought it and i think that's i think they deserve credit for that um the back thing is very funny though (laughs) like so well uh, okay here the analogy uh that we always use or the the anecdote that me and ollie used to use on this show was um we're what we are doing right now is kong skull island so Back in the day when Ollie and I uh, reviewed movies, we went to the premiere of Kong Skull Island and then we reviewed it for a podcast. And on the podcast review, I was raving about the movie. And mm. I was like, this is a five-star movie. This is the best movie I've seen all year. And I absolutely loved it. And I couldn't say anything bad against it. Ollie also really, really liked the movie. But there was one element of it that he didn't like. So at the end of it, it sounded like he didn't like the movie mm. because he did not like it as much as I did. So he kept on going like, look, I liked the movie. Like, I really <laughs> liked it. It's just I didn't like it as much as you did. Yeah. And so now everyone's just like, oh, well, Ollie hates Kong Skull Island. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're in at the moment here. I really, really liked this, but because you have loved it so much, it sounds like I hated no. this match and I didn't. I also enjoy, I gave this show four out of five. I really enjoyed this episode of Raw. <laughs> Seconds before I came on air, I was like, let's see how, you, how quick it is before you can convinced me this wasn't a five-star episode of television but like here's the thing it's a five-star episode for me it was a five-star episode of raw which is a very it's grading on a curve i understand and also there was negatives within the show but for me so much of it was so like positive and different from the dross that we watched for 20 years that i'm like Oh, and, and and like I'm watching Royal Rumble 2001 and thinking about all the stars that are going into it. And here I was looking at Cody and I was looking at Drew and Jay and Punk and Sammy and Kevin Owens and LA Knight and Gunther and, Gunther and Solo. And I'm like, Christ, I don't know who's going to win. I mean, we all know it's probably going to be Cody, but I don't know who's going to win the Royal Rumble. And that's a really exciting place to be. And it's like, oh, Drew McIntyre slam Jey Uso through the table to go off the air and I'll rub my hands together yeah. because look at what you've done with this episode. I, I thought, yeah. I had, I had a, a moment of realization today when I was filling out my uh, uh, my form for three counts because mm. we're going to be doing the predicting every WWE's 2024 in three words or less. And I had so many people of like, World heavyweight title, world heavyweight title, world heavyweight title, world heavyweight title. I'm just like, man, there's actually like five or so people I could see next Mm. year winning this belt. Likely only one of them will. But I am like, that's, I I think they have set up a really good main event scene here. And you tie that into the Royal Rumble. And there are a lot of people that are being like, well, 
Seth versus Punk makes sense. But also, I want to see Sammy versus Drew. But also, I want to see Drew win the belt. Uh, or also, I want to see Gunther win the Rumble. Mm. I, I had a, a headcanon idea of like Drew McIntyre becoming the leader of the Judgment Day and Damien Priest turning face. And like, there's so many different. I mean, that's probably the least of my priorities in terms of what I would do next. There are just so many different choices. Do you remember we talk about how in that 2000s era, every match on the card was something you wanted to see? Hmm. They're doing that. They're just all main events. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. It's like everyone feels. Feels, like the main event scene just feels really really stacked we are kind of getting into that period again where you've got like loads of main eventers and loads of undercard yeah but even those undercard people feel like they are above lower cards mm. you know what i mean yeah. like like dominic mysterio and jd mcdonough are the judgment day job squad yeah but they don't feel like they are al snow and steve black no like, yes yes they, they, they yeah. feel like they're too cool yeah yeah using our 2000s analogy here but yeah at the end of the show drew mcintyre uh, attacked jay Uso, gave him the claymore took seth out and threw him through a table and i, I that, that was like my note and i, I made that thumbnail i was like this drew rules yes yeah, great like this drew is awesome drew mcintyre is absolutely brilliant mm. it's my favorite thing on raw at the moment that isn't called walter and mm. he's just superb well even walter's not called walter yeah exactly yeah that's what i mean that's why he's the best thing on raw mm. and i just thought he was absolutely so, I thought it was great, mm. but it was so so good on this show. Yeah, um, we'll get in. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about Seth Rollins later on because I know that there's a bit of a there's a split. I Is think. There? Yeah, I think so. Like I, I get criticised a lot for not enjoying Seth. And actually, this channel does as a whole because Ollie's not that keen on him. And like, I think as a sort of a whole, as a WrestleTalk collective, we're not that into Seth Rollins as, as champion. It's nothing against his like work rate or anything. It's just part of the back thing. But it's just like we're not like not vibing with this world title. But I look at the chat over there and I was like, I really like, mm. I really like Seth. Seth's my champion. Seth's mm. my guy. And I, I feel like it is a 50-50 split. So I'm also looking at the chat seeing a lot of people being like, yeah, I just don't get it. It's, it's, it's not doing anything for me. Because I mean, he's a, he's a very good wrestler. There's no, there's no doubting that. And actually when he's, I really enjoy his heel runs, especially being a babyface is hard. Being the babyface world champion and getting over a new belt that absolutely was presented and felt like a consolation prize. It's starting to not feel like that because Sami Zayn, talks about it like it's the, the the be all and end all and because you know cm punk might come back and fight for it and drew mcintyre wants to hold it up in front of it. he sees that as worth holding up in front of a stadium for the people it's getting there but seth being the first one to do it kind of had uh, a poison chalice it was a mountain to climb and at the top of that mountain is very thin air so like mm -hmm. you know In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Well, let's see what you thought of this episode. Please do join the conversation at rest.com forward slash support. We'll read out all of your chats above the five US dollar amount. And Brad G here says, why do they keep having Drew countdown for the claimer if they're never going to let him hit it? It's got to the point now where I roll my eyes when he starts the countdown because it's a bad secret about a weed super kick. Again. Yeah, I think the, counter, the counting down is a relic of the face, Drew, that I think mm. needs to go away. I think, it, I think the claymore is, I mean, you saw it at the end of the show. The claymore is such an effective move because it comes out of nowhere. Uh, and, it, and it looks like it takes him out as much as anybody else. So I love it so much. Uh, Reggie Marshall has been a member for 10 months in a row, said, I get Drew's motivation, but did he forget he started with Roman first? He cost Roman a match against Shane Effin McMahon at Super Showdown. I think, ah, we've, all, I think we've all forgotten about that. <laughs> that's in the past. No one remembers. I think Shane and Drew were tag champs as well. Like, I don't think people remember any of this okay. stuff. I think they won the tag belts. So maybe they did. Was it Shane and Miz won the tag belts? Well, Shane, Shane, Miz were feuding for a while. I'm pretty sure Shane and Miz win the tag belts. I'm pretty sure that Shane, Shane and Drew were a, a team. They were a little duo for a while. I'll find out. Hold on, because, uh, uh oh God, will somebody give Wikipedia some money? I'll give you. <laughs> um, championships, 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 WWE, uh, Raw tag champ with Cody Rhodes and Dolph Ziggler. Oh, there you go. But I think it was as the SmackDown one, did he? Not he the hasn't won that. Well, there you go. I remember the Dolph Ziggler one because that's when he came in as uh, Dolph yeah. Bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've misremembered history. I just remember them being a tag act. I did not remember him being a tag champ with Cody Rhodes. Uh, Matt here says in the last few weeks there have been Johnny Wrestling chants Let's Go Champa and DIY chants this week the crowd got into the two out of three falls and started chanting DIY and this is awesome I'm really happy to see this run get over along with DIY I've noticed acts like Santos Escobar and Dragon Lee get over with main roster audiences the work has been put in and the crowd are giving these acts good response and it's awesome to see so this is something we talked about a couple of weeks ago and it's been brought up by uh, Sean Ross over on the Fightful Post show as well the old mentality of WWE was you put someone out for three weeks. If they're not over by the third week, then you stop putting them out there. That's well. we uh, coined the term the three-week push. Mm-hmm. Everyone got a three-week push, and eventually the three-week push ended. Yeah. Like, Triple H's mentality now is just, no, I'm just going to put them out every week. Because mm. they might not be over this week. They might not be over in two months' time. But three months' time, when we come back to this town for a house show, 
they will be over because they'll have been on TV every week. It's exposure, isn't it? It's exposure. It's mm. giving people time. And they've been giving DIY time. They've not been getting wins on TV, but they've been on TV. It's the same logic they've been doing with Tegan Knox. It's why I said that Tegan Knox, Piper Niven. It's why I said the yeah. Tegan Knox thing didn't work early doors because they weren't giving her the time. They were just putting her out on TV, but just putting her in short matches where she wasn't getting the chance to mm. be exposed to the audience, which meant it resulted in when they, she finally had that title match, no one cared. Mm. I hate to be proven right, but I was. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's and like, Tegan is taking a little bit more time because this like this crowd were warm for everyone, but they were noticeably quiet for Tegan Knox. In fact, the only people who, the only person who was loud for her was Natalia at ringside who was trying to get Tegan chance started. We'll, we'll but DIY are over. Mm. And as you know, Matt points out there, Dragon Lee is over, mm-hmm. Santos Escobar is over. You give people time on TV, you give them that exposure, and eventually people start to recognize who they are. It's Wayne's world. If you book them, they will come. They will come. Uh, Dan versus Ollie Bucket Vince says another title match another match where I rooted for Seth's opponents man he needs this punk feud badly doesn't he also funny how WWE is doing the best friends angle with the men far better than they ever did with the women who is the best friends angle I know I'm struggling with that one too Um, I mean the punk feud is it maybe we'll talk about the Seth thing actually now rather than with this chat rather than later on in the show but like when he did that backstage bit with with Pierce and Pierce talks about trying to sign punk or whatever seth had a really interesting line that for me there's just there's so much little it's the same thing with the drew in the rumble poster there's a little bit of reality in there mm. where they're they're just gonna play with it they're acknowledging outside stuff without making it the focus and you know he, he's just gonna be himself like when he shows you who he is or whatever which kind of ties into what you were saying about like if he'll be the was this was that pro was that promo disingenuous or not kind of in a weird way ties into that that gave me some spice from seth that was like yeah i like that yeah. i like that part of you i, I yeah like i wasn't on the, the show last week because i was um dropping a name interviewing <laughs> um and i so i didn't get to say the same thing about it but when i came into the office and you know uh people said well what did you think of the promo and i said like when it finished i was like that's the most disingenuous mm. promo i've ever seen that man cut mm. And it was only, and then sort of ten minutes later, I thought, "Oh, it's on purpose. Mm. It's it was a crap promo on purpose because mm. the whole point is that he is going to be a heel, a disingenuous heel, happy to be here, Punk. I'm home, CM Punk. Seth Rollins is going to be the babyface in this, who is pointing out the hypocrisy. I guess in and a I way, think, and then that's a fascinating story because it's the only other way that it does it isn't that is that that was supposed to be a a genuine promo and it just did not come off as one." And I, and I cannot see CM Punk doing that. I guess in a way it ties into kind of what we were talking about earlier on with the idea of people tuning in last week and then going, yeah, well, I'm not going to come back next week or, or whatever. Where like, th- I think there's almost an expectation that the thing needs to be an immediate reaction where it's like, I, I, I sometimes have got it in the neck a couple of times for saying like, let it play out. Or I think the, the kids say, let him cook, like see what he's cooking. I'm like... I'm more inclined to be like, okay, well, that was that one. If it did or it didn't work, maybe I was leaning more side it didn't work, but let's see where it goes. And if this promo, th- there's a world where this promo was genuine, but it came across as disingenuous. So they go, all right, well, let's use that and turn it into something. Mm. That's the way I'd approach it. Like, you've always got to be reactive in that way. Um, so, like, may- maybe, I guess we'll find out. I, d- I, d- I think there's, an Im- there's a need for an immediate response, but sometimes, especially lately, the proof of the pudding can be in the eating. I the only th- what tipped me off like because I've been talking about it all weeks like as the, the disingenuous on purpose going to lead to a heel punk run that's going to be great because that's kind of what we were all waiting for in AEW was mm. 
the heel punk run mm. because he's way better as a heel than he is as a baby face mm. even though he's very good as a baby face um it was booker t on his podcast now booker t famously just says lots of thick things like that is his gimmick is he says lots oh, of yes. yeah, he just says lots of dumb things on a, on a tv show um on a podcast rather but he said this week granted and you know there's two sides to look at this either booker t just says things because he wants people to pay attention to him so he just has to say purposely stupid things because that's what people will talk about on twitter or he just believes genuinely stupid things or part you know part c of this two uh, column option is that he just says things that further storylines on tv because he said that like oh i thought it was a completely genuine promo and it was so much more genuine than the first promo he cut in aew Mm. and i'm like i don't think you could be that thick like, I don't think there's any person on this world that could be that stupid, <laughs> that purposefully stupid. Um, so, yeah, it has to either be a gimmick or that's part of the story. Mm. It's a, You're supposed to think, think it's genuine, and it isn't. Mm. Let's get into the rest of the show. We'll have the remainder of your Ultra Chats at the end of the broadcast. So we opened with Drew and the Drew and Sammy match. And then Byron Saxton interviewed Shayna Baszler, who said she was going to hurt Nia Jax. Uh, and then we got a video promo for Jay Uso. Very, very good video package, yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, Jackie was about to interview Sami Zayn, but he got attacked by Drew McIntyre. And then we saw Jay checking up on Sami Zayn. And then Byron Saxton interviewed Becky Lynch. But before she could really get anything, Nia Jax walked in to kind of restart their beef mm. to be like hey remember that time i broke your face and Becky was like hey remember how you got nothing out of that and i made a event at wrestlemania so that is going to be your next little mini feud well this is the third time they've done this now because they had a couple of weeks ago becky was doing an interview when i think she was nxt champion at the time and then naya walks in and makes a point and it's like oh i broke your face so i'll break your ass or whatever it was i don't know what the, the line was and then last week becky's like I'm going to come for Rhea, but I've got a few loose ends to tie up first kind of thing. And then this was very much like, this is going somewhere. A slight uh, negative in that it came, it's your least favorite, it's your least best one, where they uh, pitched the next feud before the match. And then if Nia loses, she looks weaker against Becky. Um so it was hard to then believe that Shayna was... I mean, it's already, already it was hard to believe Shayna was going to win. Particularly because they're protecting Nia. Yeah, because she's probably going to be the one to take on Rhea at the Rumble or something like that. Or maybe that's where they're, they're going with that. Um, which was then turned around, I thought, by what happened in the match a little bit. Because um, it was a more competitive match than I thought it was going to be. I thought this match was great. I, really I enjoyed it. Nia Jax versus Shayna Baszler I thought it was really, really good. I thought it was far better than it had any right to be. That's exactly what I wrote. Yeah, I, and I think that the um, Shayna had a lot of moments of, you know, getting in a strike, you know, using her strikes and her quickness as an advantage sort of thing. I think Nia's uh, latest run, this run, has actually been quite successful, dare I say, it, on, in public. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just thought it was... It was she, she was dominant in the places she needed to be um the annihilator looked good this week as opposed to other weeks where it hasn't um it's not the easiest move in the world to get consistently good no because no. you don't really want to sit down on someone no you don't unless so you, you have do to, so you have to just sort of do it kind of lightly a bit yeah. cushiony so it never looks all that great it's kind of a, a lot of it is in the selling but i thought this match was 
really, really good. I mean, mm. it did feature one of the worst corner Euronagis I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> right, yeah. But when um, they did the German suplex spot, yep. I thought that was really, really great. Uh, and I really enjoyed Nia Jax surviving the Kirafuda clutch, powering out of it, putting over that monster mm -hmm. energy that she has. And then she did the big sort of, you know, flat back bump to get uh, Baszler off, dragged her into the corner, hit the Banzai drop for the win. Thought it was really, really good. And she she, I thought this match was great. She was happy to sell for Shayna as yeah. well, which made Shayna look good even in defeat. Kind of the same thing with Zoe last week. I, I don't know. I, I like this women's division. Actually. Yeah, I thought it was really good. And then Becky came out afterwards for a little stare down. Yeah, and that's going to be one of the matches you're doing. It's mm -hmm. you know, some may feel like a bit of filler feud for Becky. I guess it's it's kind of like Nia Jax is the Shinsuke Nakamura to Cody Rhodes, uh, Becky's Cody Rhodes. Yeah, in that like, well. We're going to do you versus Rhea at the Royal at a uh, WrestleMania, but that's five months away. So yeah. we just, and we even just, the rumble is a month away. Yeah, We just need to do some other bits and bobs for you to do yeah. for now. But I think this one is far more compelling than Cody versus Nakamura is, even though we'll get to it later. I thought Nakamura's reasoning for his attack on Cody oh, yeah. was awesome. Agreed. We'll get to that in a minute though. Uh, we've got a video recap of Punk's return at Survivor Series and the return promo, which did include the Professor Dan Layton once again. Just pay me to be on the show. I'll, be, I'll happily do it. I'll move. <laughs> um, DIY we're hanging out. and Oh, sorry. Can I just say the, 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 the idea that Punk is going to be on SmackDown and they're like, which GM is going to offer him the best stuff of business was great. Uh, there's going to be a, a segment a little bit later on where I'm sort of seeing things and, and I saw stuff on SmackDown as well where I was like, ah, oh, cohesion within this world. World building. Thrilling. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, DIY were hanging out backstage and Candice and Indy Hartwell, they've dropped the story that, they, that they're that they unsure about Champa. They're just chummy chummy with him. And I said in my edited review, um, Imperium walked up and did lame comedy because um, mm -hmm. the feud with them is really rubbed off on them. But it is purposefully bad comedy. It is walk up to sort of, you know, call them losers and dorks. Problem is just that I just don't think that's what you would do with Imperium. Like they're, they're supposed to be a, a cool group and you're going about doing lame comedy. There's something arrogant heel about a lame comedy. I agree with, but there's something arrogant heel where they actually look a little bit. I like because don't make them look like dorks is my my big takeaway. I I agree with you there. Gunther is a big monster, and Kaiser is considerably smaller. But him walking around with this kind of like I'm better than you European energy, I just really like. Also, I remember that video with his nipples. I keep <laughs> thinking about it every time I see him. Um, it's the dissension thing. Your voice was in my head the whole time. Stop, stop trying to... Stop breaking this group up. No. Uh, have them be driving each other to be better, but not in a way that makes it seem like they're going to break up every five minutes because I don't think they are and I don't think they should. So having them be like constantly challenging each other to be as good as possible is the Imperium gimmick, right? Well, it, yeah. I, I, it's only really just hit me now and I don't know if I fully agree with this in my head, but like when I think of like... Space. Well, when I think of Rinkump, which is the group that this is based on, what that was was just dudes who kicked lots of ass and were training each other to just be better. And I'm like, oh, right, it's the Blackpool Combat Club. And what I want Imperium to be on the main roster is the Blackpool Combat Club, which is just dudes who are just awesome at what they do and kick the crap out of other people. And have the high just, standards and the ring is sacred exactly, and all that. Exactly, and have yeah. these high standards. But, like, Gunther is still that. But Bebop and Rocksteady over here are just these lame dorks that hang out with him and keep disappointing him. And, yeah. I'm, and, I'm, and I don't want Gunther to be Shredder here being like, you imbeciles! Yeah. Like, that's, that's not Gunther either. Mm. So yeah, I kind of want... I, I want them to be ring camp because they're supposed to be ring camp. That's what the whole... That's what the, the group is. Mm. It's this, but under a different name. They've rebadged it, you fool. 
Uh, that led to DIY versus Imperium in a two out of three falls match. I first thought the first two falls were broadly fine. Mm-hmm. And then they got to the final four where they decided, oh, do you know what? let's just do a PWG Ring of Honor tag match. And the crowd got massively into it because I don't know, a PWG and ROH matches always got over for a reason because they were great. And this was great. And so they just did one of those matches and it was great. Mm-hmm. And, that was what I was, and when I say like PWG style, that is actually now a wwe style mm-hmm. because they've had a lot of these guys who've come from simulated it they've come from pw they've come from ring of honor these groups that wwe used to be particularly triple h and Shawn michaels very very down on and looked down upon but have realized that that is the way that the industry has moved and have now just put it onto tv and these people have come in with that style and it's now the wwe house style and great because they're good matches mm. i had an asterisk over this match going in because i was like on the one hand, DIY two out of three falls match. Ding, 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 ding. On the other hand, uh-oh, DIY haven't been getting over or they haven't been getting the response. Like, And I don't know how many times I can hear them come out to that dire theme <laughs> to no reaction from the crowd. We are, we are. Oh, God. Like, And it's like, oh, no, this is Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa and like two people who for me, reignited something that I didn't know was there within the way I like to consume wrestling when they had the Cruiserweight Classic and then their, their tag matches and then their feud and all that stuff. And then, the ma- so the match could have gone really badly and I was a bit nervous that it would. And then it didn't and I was ecstatic. Vinci's crossbody, that one where he basically made Wade Barrett be like, hang on a second. Like, I he- need to see that again. Yeah, Wade Barrett was like, I've never seen this before. Like he marked out so hard, bro. Um, and then, but then Vinci also like put in a great showing the whole way through. I thought he was kind of the MVP of the match for me. That moonsault he did was was I think a beauty. It's one of those moments where you're like, oh yeah, you were in the cruiserweight classic. Yeah, he's great because <laughs> he's a cruiserweight. Um, but then also, uh, it was the logic of it. So you're talking about the the uh, ROH style, the PWG style. It really worked for me. Where in the first fall they were they did a smart tag at the right time. It wasn't a contrived setup for the meet in the middle. It was like, oh, this is where the meet in the middle is coming. They're going to get the first. Oh, they didn't get the first fall because Imperium did some sneaky heel behavior. Liked that. Liked that the the second fall sort of happened kind of quickly. And Imperium, like, hang on, what's going on? And it was kind of the idea of like, they. It was because I think Kaiser wasn't able to think on his feet in time because something went slightly wrong. And then when the third fall comes about, it is almost set up in exactly the same way as the first fall, except they've learned, they figured out they did this last time, so we've got to work around this mm. time. I thought it was really smartly plotted. The match was good, was really good and then got great. And especially the crowd did their bit, making it... They were chanting for DIY, they were chanting for Johnny Wrestling, and I was like, thank you for showing up, Albany. Because if this match had played out to silence, that would have felt really difficult for DIY to get over in any way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. But like you say, book them, they will come. If the crowds play their part, if the matches deliver when the crowds meet, when if it's that thing of the matches need to raise so that the crowds can raise. And then if the crowds raise, the matches need to meet them. Meet in the middle. Irony. Um, I, I thought it was great. Yeah. I was, was thrilled about it. This was very, very good. Stop breaking up Imperium. Chelsea and Piper uh, were making fun of Natty and Tegan, uh, where they basically said, no one buys your friendship, Natalia. And I was like, ain't that the truth? Um, but Natalia said they're still going to come for those tag titles, despite losing them, la- like losing the match last week. And I wrote here, I guess this feud must continue. And boy, I was wrong. Mm. 
but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, the Creeds were warming up with the New Day backstage. And Alpha Academy walked in. They all stood in a row and they all did their bits and bobs. And then Maxine did some squats with Tazawa. This or is wrestling. Delightful nonsense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Delightful nonsense. This is your raw tag team. Yeah. It's just delightful nonsense. Yeah. Uh, and then the Judgment Day are feuding with truth, I guess. Um, not the concept. Uh, the the, the rest <laughs> of McIntyre. Yeah. Um, cause our truth was once again in the judgment den and had, had broken in, even though I don't think it has a door because we've seen, go get me, of- no, well do get me started on door stuff. I'll come back to the door stuff, but carry on. Is it Pierce's office? Yes, it is. Pierce's office, office has two doors. It, well, apparently. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, AEW's old stage. There's a heel entrance and a yeah. baby entrance. <laughs> um, but yeah, like they're telling our truth to get out of the judgment den, and our truth looks at JD and says, "Yeah, do you hear them? They're telling you to get out." He thinks he's part of the group. Um, I really enjoyed that. P said, "Look, Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley aren't here tonight." And the second that this crowd heard that Rhea Ripley wasn't here, they all went, "Boo!" Yeah, I thought that audible boos that she wasn't around, which is, I mean, a- another example of this stacked roster. Yeah, they're like, still having fun in the show, but it's like, oh, we're not going to see Rhea Ripley. Oh. Um, so he sends out the young boys to take on the creeds later on tonight the young boys being dom and jd mm. uh, and then we've got the party girls versus tegan and natty uh with chelsea and piper on commentary and i was like okay yeah we had that segment earlier to set up that tegan and natty will get the win here and that will get a rematch for those tag belts and then eventually we can do this tegan and natty splits and we can you know natalia can turn heel and we can go into a tegan versus natalia feud and that's all grand and i was like oh the party girls the perfect team to do this against because well, they never win anyway, so and no one cares about the party girls. I thought so, they're not called that. <laughs> so, well, that's what I wrote in my notes. It's just what we've christened them, <laughs> so, the party girls. So yeah, we'll just beat the party girls. They don't matter, mm. and and you know that's fine. This is a, a nice serviceable way to get to uh, from point A to point B. And then the party girls won. Yeah, and I was like, really oh, all right, yeah, cool. I guess this was the the bit in the show that I struggled with. Um, match was not good the match was not good and not least because i mean i as an avowed natalia stan as the defender of natalia in these wrestle talk hq towers i hate it when she looks at the crowd and screams yay <laughs> that is my least favorite thing in the world and then this week she was going come on you guys to nothing and i just like natalia is is a genuinely solid wrestler this is not her strength and i didn't it just devastates me every single time the party girls meanwhile are a really good act if you've seen them in nxt there's a reason why they've stuck together the reason why they were champs for so long the reason well partly because it wasn't a division but also partly because their work was so good the problem is for me at least they say they take so long setting up their moves so it, it disrupts the flow and then if the moves don't look perfect there was a there was a backflip moonsault situation that just clocked natalia in the chin oh yeah their moves either a bit like private party in a way their moves either look really really crisp or they just knee you in the face right and it's and it's it's difficult it, it, it they're also up against it because a wwe ring is massive it's bigger than most it's bigger than your average ring and they are absolutely minuscule they are two <laughs> tiny tiny women it's comical have you ever i once played a, a game on 2k23 with the high accuracies are there with uh, K- uh katana chance versus like raquel rodriguez and it was fully like dana devito taken out under the giant it was like what is this what is going on here um so because of their their, their size they need to work on their speed and their crispness because they did a, a move to take out chelsea after the match that looked great but it didn't work in the match. So they need to find a way of 
solidifying it and making it look crisp af because if it doesn't you look exposed yeah the, the match was a bit of a mess and the crowd were quiet but i was surprised at the end yeah, so, yeah i was yeah. too so yeah go, go for that i guess um this is my this is my second favorite thing on the show mm-hmm. really really like this cody came out for a promo to call out shinsuke nakamura Nakamura only appears in video form in uh, the latter half of 2023 unless he's attacking you in the ring. So he has this video promo and he explains why he's been targeting Cody. Well, he targeted Cody last week, but this is why he has been so focused on Cody for the last few weeks where he's cutting those promos, not on CM Punk. And that is, well, we've got the same story. Mm. We both won the Royal Rumble. We both were destined to win titles at WrestleMania. And we both failed in winning titles at WrestleMania. And I've since spiraled from my loss. And I've come to the realization that I can't finish my story. So if I can't finish my story, I'll just finish yours instead. Mm. I thought it was great. Yeah. Really, really good. Like that is an excellent, excellent logic for why we're doing Cody versus Nakamura. A few to that, let's be honest, last week everyone was like, eh. Well, because it, it felt like such a demotion for Cody Rhodes because it's it's Shinsuke Nakamura, it's mid right. mid Shinsuke. This felt like a ma- almost in the way some people are looking like it's a bit of a step down from Judgment Day feuding with Cody Rhodes and now feuding with our truth. So it felt like a massive like step down in terms of Cody and just like oh that's just the filler feud before we get to the Rumble. But like now it feels like it's much more leveled up because there's actual logic and reason behind it. And there was a there was a telegraph. It was signposted throughout the. It was talking about second generation wrestlers in the promos so that i mean people got carried away thinking it was punk like you know i believe it when i see it when punk comes back um but like i think so i think so there were some people like oh it's cody i think there was that that part as well um this was a really smart way of tying it together and presenting us with a logical reason for why nakamura is going to take him out and one that i hadn't really thought of like i don't know about you but i was like oh yeah you also had a potential for a dream match and then it went catastrophically wrong yeah um interesting and i liked the wrinkle and i thought cody's like lying about you know drawing back to being a child with all the wrestling history and you know tying in with what nakamura was saying referencing the great muta and then his the whole fired up like i don't rate you my only downside was oh then i want to watch cody rhodes wrestle a match because i really like cody rhodes (laughs) he's my favorite so um that's my my only my only issue i have is these days what happens is on raw cody finishes a promo with music hits and he goes away (laughs) like that's and if that's a negative i guess it's a negative yeah yeah I thought this was great. I thought it was a really, really good uh, video package. I thought it was. I thought Nakamura was awesome in it. Uh, I thought Cody was great. His little fight up promo mm-hmm. afterwards. There's kind of a there's a bit of awkwardness in doing segments like this because what you have is someone in the ring cutting a promo to a hard cam, then a video package that's playing off the hard cam, and then that person has to finish cutting a promo to the hard cam. Mm. So the staging of it's it's weird and it's a bit wacky, but Cody's very very good that he makes it work. That's that's the crucial point I think when you talk about people being seeing it as a step down. If there's anyone who can lift it and make it work, it's Cody Rhodes. He's yeah. he's really good at this. How good is Cody Rhodes at this? Cody Rhodes has been doing nothing but filler feuds since uh, WrestleMania. Right. Why was why? Do you, remember the, do you remember the romantic package that he got for Brock Lesnar with their trilogy at yeah. SummerSlam? He made it work. I still don't know why they were feuding. No, well, he had a six-month feud with Brock Lesnar. Yeah, had three matches that were borderline the same. We were never given a reason as to why they were happening. But, but he made it work. But he made it work. It's Cody Rhodes. He had a one-month filler feud with Dominic Mysterio that he just won, mm. but he made it work. And then he just feuded with the Judgment Day, beat them all the time, and then he, you know, beat them again. 
And then he's just moving on to his next filler feud. He's done nothing but filler feuds since WrestleMania. But I don't look at him and be like, oh, what a year of filler feuds you've had. What a boring year you've had. I'm like, no, Cody's the best. And the crowd looking at him, he comes out and he's like, yeah, Cody's here. Yeah, I do. I, I do wish he hadn't had a filler year and he had a bell <laughs> on him instead. But, it, I, but that's not what happened. That's so I've got over it. Uh, Adam Pierce backstage was on the phone um, talking about Sammy and then Gunther walked in presumably to find out you know what's next for, for Gunther or maybe he's looking to get his spot in the Royal Rumble this was my little bit that I really liked I just like that they're in offices I know that's this is the opposite <laughs> of a nitpick when uh, Aldis got a desk last week I was enamoured I was like, oh, look at you, where the place that you're working from. And then Paul Heyman comes and sees him in his office. For about 10 years now, uh, even longer, really, these offices have just been a curtain and a TV and maybe even a sign that, like dangling with that month's pay-per-view poster on it. They've or got an, whatever movie they've made. Or whatever, yeah, exactly. They've got an office now. He's got a plant in the background. I mean, the doorography was a bit mental. Because <laughs> there are was two Gunther, entrance, Gunther was two working. I actually weirdly like that headcanon. I'm going to stick with it. But like the idea that he's like, oh, I've got to keep the heels in one locker room and I've got to keep the faces in the other. And and there's two doors to my office so that they don't cross paths queuing up outside. Works for me. Well, because otherwise, if there if there's chaos, I need a drink. I need a drink. Put it on a t-shirt, Adam. <laughs> I stand. <laughs> And that's official. Uh, official merchandise, that Quite is. Quite frankly. <laughs> and then we had the Judgment Day job squad of Dominic and JD McDonough taking on the Creed brothers. The uh, R-Truth came out to cheer on uh, the people he believes he is in a group with in JD and Dom. Really, this whole match was designed to build to the Julius hot tag. And it was awesome. Because yeah. <laughs> he just came in and hit loads of suplexes. And he, he hit one suplex. The crowd went, hey! So we hit another suplex. Look, I went, hey! Yeah. So we hit another one. Look, I went, So we hit more. Yeah. And the more he did it, the more the crowd were into it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is why they see you as the future WrestleMania main eventer. Because yeah. he just got it. That overhead suplex kip up sequence, my abs hurt. Like, I'm watching it going, how are you doing this? You're insane. So and like, there's something to your point of the sound of the crowd, them rippling when they realize they're about to watch something exciting. Because they're still new. The creeds are still new. This is like, what, week three, week four of them being on the main roster? I think so, yeah. So like, it, and actually what we get last week with, with Finn Balor being like, oh, well, we need to be fucking careful of that. And then you have... Um, the same thing with JD and Dom in a minute. What I, what I particularly enjoyed was JD said, oh, our truth was a distraction. Yeah. But Dom's like, it was not truth. Yeah. You need to take these guys seriously. Dom's delivery of that was excellent. I thought that was so good. Really good performance from Dom. But yeah. I particularly enjoyed JD because yeah. JD's the new boy who doesn't want to be making mistakes who was looking for the excuse. He also got. He also had the thing earlier on where he was like, you're not part of us, get out, and then check with... The, yeah, the, the, the Judgment Day did some great performance stuff this week. Mm. But the Creeds in particular have had such a fantastic little entryway and i think people the crowds are still getting used to them i always sit forward when i see them because i like them from nxt but i'm looking forward to seeing more people get on side i think they might win the tag belts oh yeah, i think that would be the, the tag belts. best possible thing you could do for the tag division going forward i think they're winning those tag belts yeah. um i don't see the point in the judgment day still having them nope. Uh, so I think you put the belts onto judgment, uh, to put onto the Creed, and then you can do the fragment of the Judgment Day, likely built to Damien versus Finn at WrestleMania. Yeah, works. Works for me. With I would with Dominic Mysterio as the special guest referee. Can I hear a little commotion for Dom's furry wrestling boots? <laughs> I loved them. They look so comfy. I want a pair. Yeah, yeah. I love Dominic Mysterio. I love him so much. I'm excited for Saturday. Oh, I'm excited for Saturday. 
and the deadline. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the last thing for us to talk about here is Adam Pierce talking with Seth backstage, where he said, "Look, CM Punk's going to be on the show next week. I'm going to sign him to Monday Night Raw." Mm. And Seth was like, "Oh, Adam, this is going to blow up in your face." I love it, and I'm and I'm going to be here when it happens. I love that they're acknowledging that that might happen. Yeah, and and it's like it's just smart, and like it's probably Triple H in the back writing it down, going like, "It might. <laughs> Let's see what happens." Yeah. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Very, very good way to end. And then we had the main event, which was uh, Seth versus Jay. It's a five-star episode of Raw. Yeah. I thought this was a, a very good episode of Monday Night Raw. <laughs> like this is, but this so is like, you hated it? Yeah, well, of course. Yeah. 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 This, but this is like, uh, well, I've said, like, this is what your standard of Raw should be. Yes, I agree. Like, this should be, this was a very, very good episode of yeah. Raw. And it's what we've sort of been talking about when we've had those, you know, the post-SummerSlam lull is real, which is that just a lots of three out of five shows that have mm. just been, yeah, fine. It, it it started it ended there was nothing bad there was nothing great it was fine this was a show where there was there was a lot that was really really good very few bits were very very bad mm. but the bits that were very very good pushed it up into the four mark and when they were bad they were horrible that was the nursery <laughs> rhyme that you're doing and you didn't mean to but you did yes. a little bit uh, and when they were bad, it was the party girls. And really, but like, <laughs> but like, I would say that was the only bad thing that was on this show. And even then, it wasn't that bad. At least because, their theme slaps. A because bit. like Chelsea Green and Pipe and Ever were on commentary yeah. and were fantastic. Wayne. And I really liked Tegan Knox. Yeah. And Natalia's cringe uh, crowd work always makes me laugh. Kills me. <laughs> Kills me dead. So yeah, three, uh, a four out of five episode from me. Uh, let's get into uh, your Patreon shout out. Uh, Would you like an update on what we might be doing for Wrestle Talk Extra? Absolutely. So, Wrestle Talk Extra is the podcast where Ollie Davis and I review an old pay per view from the W or from Wrestling Archives, really. Uh, and that is usually, sorry, I'm just trying to get to our Patreon page. Usually they are podcasts that are longer than the pay-per-views themselves because we also look at the news from around that time, not even just like pop culture news, but also the dirt sheets. Yeah. And we read the old dirt sheets and see what people were talking about compared to what other shows were going on at the time. Usually the first hour of the show is just a discussion of what was happening at the time and then we talk about the pay-per-view in detail. Uh, it is the month of December and I can reveal that currently leading the poll oh, it's close though it's armageddon 2008 is currently leading the poll by one percent because starcade 1997 is on 30 percent of the vote goodness me and that's an that, roh final battle isn't far behind that's creeped up a lot today as well because when i first checked that this morning starcade was on about 28 yeah so it's actually crawled up a little bit tempest was very excited because i'm again 2008 when i said that's from the police like, jeff hardy it's it. the jeff hardy yeah. wins the title show i want to do starcade 97 um because you're an old man th that and I, I find that pay-per-view absolutely fascinating mm. it's wcw's that's their biggest show. Yeah. It's the biggest show they were ever, ever going to do. And they biffed it so <laughs> much. And their biggest show they were ever going to do got even bigger because they got Bret Hart. And they biffed that as well. Mm. It's spectacular. They had a big old match with uh, Kevin Nash versus the, the Giant. And then Kevin Nash no-showed the event because he claimed he was hurt. But Scott Hall weren't doing the job either. So that match just doesn't happen. <laughs> it's, it's... God. I mean, that's a WrestleTalk Extra like vintage. 
There's so much backstage stuff to go into. Randy Savage is just in a six-man tag. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, why are you just in a six-man tag? I, I want to do Starcade for the, all of those reasons I've just explained. But another reason, because this person left a comment. Uh, I'm going to find out who it is. Chris Smith pointed out here. Uh, I'm just going to read this comment verbatim. I may have said this last year, but December is the only month where WrestleTalk Extra has reviewed a different pay-per-view every year. Ah. 2017 was Armageddon. 2018 was December to December. 2019 was TLC. 2000 was Vengeance. 2021 was TakeOver London. And 2022 was Ring of Honor Final Battle. So we've never had a month in WrestleTalk Extra where we've always reviewed a different Mm. name show for a month. So if we get Starcade, yeah, you can add to the list. That streak continues because we've already done an Armageddon. Mm. We did Armageddon 2000. We've already done a final battle. We've already done a final battle. So come on, Starcade is what I'm saying. But you know, Tempest will be happy if we do the other one. Yeah. Uh, but if you're one of our twenty-five dollar and above Patreon pledge hammers, you get your name read out on this show by these fine folks: Champion Zero Fear, Hitman Soul, the Cleaner Kenny Shaw, the British Bulldog Philip Boy J Smith Jr. He can last Sean for longer than you in the ring. Starbucks Stephen Costa, Shield Maiden the Zornice. He ran Aaron Hanrahan. He brings the fear Ahmed Jones, Andrew Grifford. Andrew Gifford, the Big Red Dog. The Shrockmaster, Austin Shrock. I'm afraid he's got some bad news. It's bad news, Bob the Ninja Goldfish. And the Eco-Warrior, Brian. That is your Hall of Fame class for the 5th of December, 2023. as we get into the rest of your uh, ultra chats. One last thing on uh, Patreon as well. If you're one of our $100 Patreon pledge hammers, you will have had the WrestleTalk Podcast end of year awards form for you to fill out. A few of you have already done it already, so nominations are still open. So if you are one of our $100 Patreon pledge hammers, get to join in the uh, the the rest talk end of year awards we're currently collating them as we speak we have had nearly 20 submissions not just from our team and our patron uh pledge hammers this includes our website writers our moderating team our editors and the wider extended wrestle talk family by the end of this we should have about 50 submissions Mm -hmm. to create what should be the best end of year awards should be being the operative should word. be the operative word because tempest had looked through some of the early, uh, some of it earlier and was shocked at some of the results it's been an interesting year for it though because like the the, the 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 idea of worst in wrestling has changed vastly mm. benny boy 004 says do you guys think that champ has lost his gear he's basically been in street <laughs> fight gear the last couple of weeks also is it just me that gets annoyed at cole calling imperium the imperium I don't think it's just you, because I definitely noticed that as well. I went, well, You need Justin um, Timberlake to walk up to him and be like, get rid of the the. <laughs> no one needs Justin Timberlake to walk up to them. <laughs> um, but also, Champa definitely had the energy of having lost his gear last week. This week, at least, it looked a little bit more like spandex. KP92 says, how about Cody wins the Rumble, then beats Roman at Mania, then a chamber match is set up to who faces Rollins. So that would be the february show mm. punk wins that during that match sammy is taken out by a masked man who challenges sammy to a mania match through cryptic promos and that mystery man is y2j uh i was with you until y2j um 
Well, my big prediction I had on the Survivor Series show is that Chris Jericho will have a match at WrestleMania 41. Um, I think I'm actually wrong on that because I think his contract... 27, ex- I thought I heard. Yeah, exactly. His contract expires in 2027. So I am off. I can't have a Jericho match at Mania 41. But That's I- the contract stuff I enjoy, by the way. But I do think that uh, Jericho will go back to WWE. On do you think? Con- oh, one- I think once his contract expires, he'll go back to WWE. It's the hot product at the moment. So, Oh, yeah, he does like to do that, so doesn't he? he? He will go to whatever... But will it be in 2027? Maybe they'll call it back. I Jesus, th- that feels far away, but I, also not. I think he will... I think they will still... They might... Well, who knows? It might have been swung back and forth. The big pendulum swing either way. But Jericho will sign whichever company is hot. Right. And I think he will probably want to sign with WWE. He can do the big return. He can do... He wants a promo with Punk. He wants yeah. to do his little, his little program with Punk. Be much better for him to go back to WWE. Mm. I also, uh, to the point of the, the chamber match, I love the idea of this lot in a chamber match because P and I were talking about this last week and I was mentioning about Armageddon 2000 when all of the big stars were in the hell in the cell and then Pete went, we've got the chamber. I kind of lost it. I was so excited. I was like, that is, uh, tell me, tell me I'm allowed to see Gunther and Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens in a, in a chamber match or whatever. Kevin Owens is probably on the wrong brand at this point, but like, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. or oh, put Punk in there as well. Why not? Yeah. It'll be Ivar. Yeah. Oh, uh, your big lad. Bronson. Yep. Uh, the guilty hat said I hate to say it but they're not gonna do heel corporate punk as much as I personally have no interest in him his merch always flies and the crowd will always be behind him Seth will be the heel in their story which at least is better for him Uh, I mean punk's been a heel before and his merch still went wild he did say on the the the, the ill-fated Cabana podcast though that he didn't want to turn heel when they were during his world title run because they right. were, he was like my merch will dip right because he yeah, that, that's fair, that's fair. and his point was at that point I was selling more merchandise than John mm. Cena was. I mean, does it have to be so delineated? I think I like the idea of Seth and Punk just hating each other and cheer and boo as you wish like you know let's go Cena Cena sucks but if in that case I just want an interesting character for Punk let's go Rollins because because the character that they currently are presenting is not an interesting character for Punk so I need I need need an interesting character for Punk if we are just if we're not going to do clear face and clear heel I need Punk with an interesting character well he's had five minutes on television yes and those five minutes have presented a boring character okay but, so that's all I'm saying, Dan. I'm not saying it is dead in the water. Yeah. This, this is not Kong Skull Island here. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're going to do that, I want an interesting character yeah. for him. Vinyl Buff said, Seth Rollins for me feels a bit like 1995 Shawn Michaels. Seemingly indestructible, sells very little, and somehow always wins. Except Shawn Michaels' kicks were always really hard looking. Seth, Seth there they go. Um, I was going to say, nice tonight, five Shawn Michaels. No one liked him much either. Uh, and Kevin here says, that's more 96, Shawn. Sure. Uh, Kevin here says, Seth cheats to retain against Punk. Punk costs Seth the title against Drew. Zayn wins. Hold on. Okay. There's a bit of mass going on here. Seth cheats to retain against Punk. Punk costs Seth the title, so Drew wins the title. All of this is before the Royal Rumble because Zayn then wins the Royal Rumble so he can then go up against uh drew at wrestlemania this will then set up punk versus seth and drew versus zane for wrestlemania (sighs) (laughs) there are so many options guys (laughs) fantasy book away bm whitehouse said um uh, you might have to i might have to do this one i'm not a big michael bolton guy 
I can see why I'd be your best bet, but I don't know this one. No, no, not Michael Bolton guy either. I'm not not a Michael Bolton guy. I just wouldn't. I can't. I, I, it's not up there. Like my only Michael Bolton reference is the Lonely Island song that he did. This is the tale. Yeah, fair. He also did the uh, the theme from Hercules. Yeah, yeah. The, okay, here are my two things for Michael Bolton: is that he did that Lonely Island song, and he's a joke in Office Space. Great, because yeah. there's a guy who works at the Office Space who's called Michael Bolton. Yeah. Um. So unfortunately, being White House, I don't know how to do this to the tune of Michael Bolton's. How am I supposed to live without you? Um, I'm trying to think if there's a. Well, we could we could we could pretend it was. Well, I could do. Oh, I could do it to the the one from Con Air. Okay. Yeah. How can I live without yeast? And who sang that song? It was Whitney. No. So it was um. Oh man, who did do that? L- Leanne Rice. There it is. <laughs> And I nearly didn't say Leanne Rhymes. I was like, no, that's Coyote Ugly, you big It's kid. the same person. I know. Leanne Rhymes also did all of the singing in that song and the lead actors lip sync to it. Oh, don't get me started on that. That is something that happens a lot. Um, also, justice think- for Martha Wash. <laughs> Do you think that Giovanni Vinci would be higher up the card if they kept up with a single push in NXT? Well, it's difficult because he is the walking silhouette. You know, he's oh, yeah. the walking generic silhouette of a man, but his moves are great. Fergal McClements has been in Memberg for four months in a row, so I haven't watched any wrestling for three years, but tune in to you guys every day because <laughs> I like the chat and the crack. Well, Good. Thank you very much. Dan versus Ollie Bucket Vince has said, Dan, just want you to show you some love. Thanks, this is mate. my favorite duo. You remind me of someone I would never get to talk to. Get- you remind me of someone I would never talk to, get forced into a group project and become best of friends. This is my favorite podcast duo right now. There was a second there where I thought you were bullying me, but then you pulled it back <laughs> at the end. That's why I went back and yeah, like, yeah. hold on, hold on. I'm going to reread this sentence. Uh, and David Evans here says, Hi, gents, not raw related. Just wanted to send you some money in appreciation for Dan's 30 Rock <laughs> reference in yesterday's Collision podcast. More of the same, please. I can, uh, I'll, I'll hook you up with some more 30 Rock. Uh, and to end the poll, it Wait is another, another big song here. Uh, another big result, rather. Um, that's, come on, come on, YouTube. Give me that result. Give me the result. Give me what I want. That's not what I want. 80, Give me what I want. 82% thumbs That's up. That's quite emphatic. 14%. Why are people correcting me about Con Air? I said it was from Con Air. I said the song was from Con Air. And then you also said Coyote Ugly. Because she also it. did the song. She did. She did both. She did both. Not my words. I don't know why the chat would be like, why did you sing it's hey, from Coyote Ugly? It's from, and I was like, I said it was from Con Air. Do you know what else? Kong Skull Island was fantastic. <laughs> It's a five-star movie. It was brilliant. I can't believe there are people that are so thick when they watch that movie <laughs> where they're just like, that guy died for nothing. That's the f- point! It's a Vietnam reference! It's a Vietnam thing! That's the point! Man, people are thick. I've been trying to tell you! <laughs> Come on. Anyway. Uh, 82% thumbs up. As it should be. In fact, that's too low. It was a a very, very uh, high rating there. Mm. And a well-earned high rating as well. It was a very, very good show. Thank you all so much for watching. We're back on Thursday with the AEW Dynamite review, where we're going to be continuing the Continental Classic, which is a stacked old lineup Mm -hmm. this week. I am so looking forward to Dynamite. I think it's going to be a really, really fun show. Plus, Tony Storm vs. Sky Blues will be covering all of that this coming Thursday on Dynamite. And then on Saturday, the SmackDown podcast duo of Sat and Tempest return to talk about CM Punk appearing on the blue brand. Until then, I've been Luke Owen, DAD. That has been the Professor Dan Layton. Jam that jam. Jam that jam.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.